0: Welcome back to the Movie Bible Podcast. This week you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Brennan as we talk about the opening weekend for Midway, Dr. Sleep, Playing With Fire, and Last Christmas. Remember, as always, you can check us out online at MovieBabbleReviews.com. Breaking down this weekend's top five at the box office we've got midway in the number one spot with 17.5 million followed by dr sleep in the number two spot with 14.1 million playing with fire in the number three spot with 12.8 million last christmas in the number four spot with 11.6 million and terminator dark fate in its second week rounds out the top five at 10.8 million so midway was actually kind of a surprise i don't want to say hit but it's a surprise leader of this weekend um, so it did pull in 17.5 million. It's in about 3,200 theaters right now, which is fewer theaters than Dr. Sleep. Um, it's not, you know, the largest opening, but it's still a pretty solid theater count. Um, the, the, the biggest struggle for Midway is going to be earning against its budget. So while it did earn 17.5 million and take the weekend, um, this is also a very effects heavy, very battle heavy film. Uh, sitting in a budget of around 100 million, so it has a lot of work to do. Um, this is not the kind of opening you would want to see um, if you're looking for a success with Midway, um, and it's just kind of indicative of everything else this weekend. Um, it's it, we had stuff that earned money technically, but nothing that really made a big splash. So while this is a minor victory for Midway taking the weekend, it is a very minor victory, and with lots of negative reviews and a Pretty similar film coming out next month with 1917. I think Midway is going to be looking at a loss overall.
1: I would definitely agree, but just kind of first to note here, I'm quite surprised with how well this film performed. Not, I'm not going to say with how well this film performed, but just sort of um, the fact that it finished first this weekend. I think Dr. Sleep was something that I expected to do a lot better than it did. I'm not too sure what the uh, major issue was with that. Um, because the reviews were, for the most part, fine. And you have Ewan McGregor, who has a pretty good following, and The Shining is a pretty um, well-known IP, obviously. But Midway pulled out the number one spot, but $17.5 million versus a budget of around $100 million, as you said. is not a great start for this film, regardless.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, Roland Emmerich's just had it tough since the 90s. <laughs> His last movie was Independence Day Resurgence, which was one of the more... Uh, noteworthy flops of the past decade. He had White House Down um, in 2013, and he's just kind of struggled to really capture the spirit of a lot of his earlier work. So, I mean, the biggest one being Independence Day, and you could even say Godzilla, even though that's uh, pretty mixed reactions. But he just, I, I think he's a solid director at creating these big explosion heavy catastrophe films. I don't necessarily think that's the right way to approach something like a World War II movie. Um, but it just doesn't seem to stick as much as it used to. And I think Midway just kind of continues that downward trend we've seen with his movies the past, really the past 20 years.
1: Yeah, I think you look at a guy like Roland Emmerich, and um, he's he's obviously a popular director due to the fact that, obviously, Independence Day was such a big hit back in the day, and Godzilla, despite it being a flop critically, was a film that people talked about, and there was a lot of hype around it. But a lot of his movies just really feel like they're stuck in the 90s. Um, The Day After Tomorrow was a pretty popular one. Um, But you're right. He's just really been on downhill decline over these last few years. And kind of one of the more interesting notes from him also was 2009. The film 2012 came out that year. That was a pretty successful movie on his part. Um, Did very well at the box office. I think that's probably the last time he really saw glory at the box office. Since then, it really has been a struggle for him.
0: Yeah, and I think... Ultimately, he really lives in the shadow of the first Independence Day just because it is a pretty iconic movie. I mean, you know, it's, it's been critically uh, up and down, but I mean, that movie is, is pretty iconic here in the States. And so I think he's, he struggles to really branch out from that just because that look and that feel is something that's just so synonymous with who he is as a director. And I think um, his, his recent movies really kind of show that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's a film, obviously, that's a film that many people can deem a classic just because of how popular it was and how how big it is overall. And I mean, the sequel was such a letdown, obviously, a couple of years ago, but it, it's just kind of a weird career he's having. He reminds me of kind of a Michael Bay type. Um, he he kind of is in that vein, but he hasn't been able to um, continue his career as well as michael bay i mean michael bay has kept the transformers franchise alive for a long time i mean i know he's not really a part of the franchise anymore but he milked that thing out pretty good and most of the films leading up to kind of the last couple there made a ton of money he really hasn't been able to keep up with that so to speak and we're seeing that yet again with midway
0: yeah it's it's unfortunate (laughs) and uh I do want to point out a note that our editor slash commander-in-chief Nick Cush had about uh, this movie. And that was that if you're looking at the actual quality of the movie itself, and I'm quoting him directly, Midway Blows. So, if you're considering <laughs> seeing this movie, uh, you might want to take that into account.
1: Yeah, one, one quick positive note is uh, I remember as a kid, 2012 blew my mind. I just got to say that. <laughs> I love that movie when I was a kid, man.
0: Yeah, I got food poisoned on my way to see Twenty Twelve as a kid, so Ooh. I I don't have the fondest of memories of that one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but but that does not impact my my statements on Midway. Uh, completely unrelated. But yeah, I just I don't think this movie is going to be around for a, a long time, especially with Nineteen Seventeen coming up, and there's been a lot of promotion just over the the techniques behind the film so it's all shot to appear as one continuous shot uh, which I think is going to carry it tremendously and the fact that it's got um, just a better release window so it's coming out right around Christmas um, and we'll slowly release and expand a little bit from there Um, so I I don't think we'll be talking about Midway for just a terribly long time
1: no I, I definitely agree with you there
0: yeah, and so with that, we will move on to the number two spot, which was Dr. Sleep. This is the quasi-sequel to Stephen King's novel The Shining slash the movie The Shining. Um, it's, it's never really clear which one this is a sequel to, uh, which I think actually benefits the film. But it pulled in $14.1 million. It did not take the weekend as, as many people suspected it would, um, and it is still sitting – fairly below its budget so it had about a 45 million dollar budget which isn't terribly high but opening at 14.1 million it's got work to do fortunately the reactions to this have been pretty positive Um, not just critics but audiences alike but it it does have work to do Um, and it's it's coming a little bit late you know we're already out of the halloween season uh starting to move heavily into the uh, christmas season here pretty soon and so i think unfortunately dr street dr sleep is going to struggle
1: yeah and i think what you're looking at is probably the case of warner bros wanting to give this thing a big cushion um away from joker that's probably why they waited this long to put this film out but i think it probably would have played a lot better last weekend or two weekends ago um especially as you said with halloween i am very surprised at how low uh this film has been performing this weekend in terms of dollars but as you said the The uh, praise from audiences and critics have been pretty good for the most part, so I wouldn't expect this film to completely drop off. I still have yet to see it as well. I had a pretty busy weekend, but I uh, am going to check it out soon. It's at the top of my list for sure. And I have been looking forward to this movie for a while, Um, but it's just kind of disappointing to see it uh, open so... I'm not going to say dismally, because I I don't think this is a disaster by any means, but this just isn't a great start for this film at all. And I think maybe it just had a poor window... um, just a tough weekend overall. And it's kind of a common theme. Most of the films this weekend that were released didn't really, um, perform super great, but this is one that I don't see having the best of legs, uh, in, in comparison to some of the movies we're going to talk about, uh, coming up after this.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it kind of missed its window and I I agree with what you said. I think Warner brothers kind of tripped over themselves a little bit just in the way they scheduled it chapter two and the joker and now dr sleep and so they have these big windows between each movie and it really puts the timing off for it and dr sleep in my opinion so we got it about a month earlier uh, which was still in line with the first it chapter one um, but kind of pushed that out of the halloween season and now with dr sleep we're seeing the same effect on the other side of things and i I think they really just kind of shot themselves in the foot on this one
1: would you have? Um, this is kind of just a obviously a hypothetical. We have no idea how these movies would differentiate depending on release date. But do you think that Joker would have done better in a slot? Not done better, but do you think actually the better question would be do you think Dr. Sleep would have performed better if we swapped, say, Dr. Sleep and Joker?
0: Yeah, I think Joker would be relatively ineffective or unaffected no matter where you put it just because of how iconic that character is and all the success we've seen with it so far but i think dr sleep is something that people are really hesitant about because it's not been very clear if this is a sequel to the movie or a sequel to the book and you've had just a lot of confusion with that and the fact that the shining is such a classic that's just regarded in such high esteem that people are a little bit wary of of a sequel especially so much later with a whole different creative team behind it. And so I think Dr. Sleep had a lot going against it. And unfortunately the things that are going for it, like the positive reactions to it, don't really help until after the fact. And so I think Dr. Sleep was just kind of a a difficult move to make no matter where you put it. But I do think it would have been helped a lot if it was tied in more to the Halloween season.
1: Yeah, these are things we'll never obviously know the answer to, but it's always fun to speculate.
0: Yeah, and I mean I'm really enjoying the Ewan McGregor Renaissance we've been in the past couple of years. I mean yep. he was say what you will about the Disney remakes, but he was in uh, Beauty and the Beast and Christopher Robin. Uh he was in Fargo season three. He's coming up in Birds of Prey, uh, possibly Star Wars. There's been rumors of that. Um he's doing the Obi-Wan TV show here pretty soon nonetheless. I'm really enjoying this resurgence of him.
1: No, yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, he's a talented actor and and uh uh, one, one of the better ones out there and he's just just a really likable guy as well. So it's, it's great to see, uh, to see him kind of making that renaissance.
0: Yeah. And I, I do, I know you haven't seen it yet, but I do want to just kind of talk about some of my reactions to the movie as well. Um, I really enjoyed this movie as someone who's not just the hugest fan of the shining. I think this movie really works well enough on its own. You know, it, it obviously throws a lot of really obvious shining references at you Um and, lingers on that iconic door for a little bit too long Uh, but i I think it really works as its own movie and it does have some weird first act problems and uh, one character in particular that i think is just kind of a weird addition because they don't really amount to anything (laughs) but they spent a lot of time focusing on that character Um, but overall i think it was very enjoyable Um, it really manages to kind of capture some of that tension that makes the shining so iconic and do something new with it i mean it's still really creepy and unsettling and really just Stephen King at his Coke induced finest.
1: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it for sure. And I'll definitely probably check in next weekend with the pod and give some of my thoughts as well.
0: Yeah. I'd say out of, out of the three Stephen King adaptations we've got this year, I think this is the best one in my opinion. That's good to know. In the, uh, quasi shared Stephen King universe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of, uh, Pet Cemetery at all. I think that film had potential early on. That kind of dropped, uh, dropped off as it as it continued. And in Chapter Two, say what you will. I did enjoy the film, but um, we've talked about that movie enough on this podcast. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out um, Doctor Sleep pretty soon.
0: And I think Doctor Sleep really hits some of its deeper targets better. So it, it, I mean, it deals with similar concepts that the first one did. You know, alcoholism and isolation and Um, some other stuff I don't want to spoil but I think it really manages to kind of dive in deeper with that than most of the Stephen King adaptations we get which just kind of go for that creepy horrific style that King has but this one really manages to kind of play with that actual depth and subtext that most of his works
1: have yeah good stuff I mean I am really looking forward to this thing obviously and I think the trailers were pretty good um so yeah I just I'm looking forward to getting out to see it and uh, giving you guys my, my take as well.
0: Yeah. And so with that, we will move on to playing with fire, uh, which I've got to say feels uh, very anachronistic. Uh, this kind of movie, this just kind of wacky surrogate family comedy that we don't just see a ton of anymore. Uh, go, kind of going back to what you said about Roland Emmerich, this seems like something that should be stuck in the nineties. <laughs> uh, <but> it. it <laughs> It pulled in $12.8 million this weekend. Uh, This is the the John Cena fireman comedy, and it's made more money than I think anybody really expected it to, but it's also sitting against a $30 million production budget. So kind of like Dr. Sleep, kind of like Midway, it's making some money but still has a lot of legwork. And with Frozen 2 coming out here in a few weeks, I just don't see this movie finding any more success.
1: No, I don't think this movie is going to do a whole lot, but it overperformed 100% in my eyes. I had no expectations for this movie last weekend. I remember us even talking about how um, low we were probably gunning this movie to get this weekend, and it pulled in 12.8 million, as you said. That's pretty good for this film in its first weekend. I'm I'm a little bit surprised. I remember this movie actually got, um, actually I'm not, yeah, it got a little bit of a couple changes with its release date previously, and. It was a little bit abrupt that it was released this weekend, but it did well. Um, as you said, the budget, uh, it's, it's a little bit up there. So for a film like this, we don't expect it to perform well week to, on a week-to-week basis. So it's got to milk out that money now. But uh, that being said, I am slightly impressed, obviously, with the performance this weekend.
0: Yeah, just—we I just, we, we really don't see these kind of movies anymore. And I think there's a reason why, because they really just don't perform like they used to. I mean, it was a little bit different, you know, with Schwarzenegger in in the 90s. You had uh, like Jingle All the Way and as much as some people hate it, you even had Last Action Hero. Um, But you really just don't see this kind of comedy anymore because frankly, it's expensive and it just doesn't hit anymore. People want different stuff, different stuff. Tastes have changed a little bit and there's a reason why these movies aren't made. And Playing With Fire is going to remind Paramount of that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's just another one of those um, Another one of those films on the list of Paramount movies That are kind of been disappointing uh, overall lately
0: Yeah, so (laughs) I think this will be the last week we talk about playing with fire (laughs) Um, There's there's really not much to add to it Other than it is a movie Um, It's (laughs) not going to live on very long But it is here now (laughs) Um, And so with that, we'll move into Last Christmas which is our first really big Christmas movie of the season. Uh, this is the Amelia Clark Henry Golding movie, uh, based on the George Michael songs, which I think was just kind of a weird thing to shoehorn into this movie. <laughs> when you when you actually watch it, there are a couple of moments where the songs really connect with the story, um, but I think it really suffers from the fact that George Michael only really has like four or five big hits that pretty much everybody knows. <laughs> As this isn't like queen or even like with elton john with rocket man and bohemian rhapsody you you really can't the songs aren't as easy to latch on to and and hum along as you go Um, but i think the movie has a pretty good twist overall Uh, i'm not not going to spoil anything but there is a a pretty solidly crafted twist in there uh, in my opinion and i mean the leads are just incredibly charming i mean amelia clark has has done quite a few movies kind of in this vein and henry golding is you know coming off of crazy rich Asians last year and the simple favor. And I mean, they just play off of each other extremely well in this movie.
1: Yeah. I obviously haven't seen this film uh, yet, but I mean, 11.6 million is not a bad start. And we were talking about it before we got on, we expected um, this film to probably have the best legs out of the uh, top five uh, films this weekend. And out of kind of the four new big, uh, big releases, um, because obviously Christmas is a little while away and, this film might be able to see a little bit of resurgence in the coming weeks as we get closer to Christmas. Um, when I first saw the trailers, I was kind of skeptical. Obviously, a lot of people are with these films and how solid it might be overall. But, I mean, the two leads, as you said, if they are charming enough, that's all you really need in a in a feel-good Christmas movie, and it would and it be able to carry the film Um by itself those two so i mean that's that's good to hear and i am looking forward to seeing this in the coming weeks i think i'll probably be a part of that potential renaissance if it is able to have one in the coming weeks because i'd probably be personally waiting till it's a little bit closer to christmas
0: yeah and i think you normally get either this kind of movie every christmas or you get the big ensemble movie with like 50 different stories um your your love actually type and (laughs) I, i honestly prefer this type where it's just the cute little romance and then christmas is tied in there somehow um and i i think this movie works for a christmas movie that's not to say that it really works overall because it it does have some flaws Uh, but i think overall it's a pretty enjoyable christmas movie and it it really does have the benefit of debuting before the christmas season so it'll probably lose a little bit of momentum here over the next two weeks uh, but then we should see it resurge quite a bit once we really get heavily into the christmas season
1: yeah, I'm not sure if you touched on the budget at all, but 25 to $30 million, I mean, that's a respectable number for this film, and I would expect um, them to definitely make a pretty good profit as um, the weeks go on, as we obviously get closer to uh, the Christmas, deep into the Christmas season and Christmas uh, itself. So I think the budget for this film was very smart and very responsible. Um, yeah, I think they really set this at a good level.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do almost think that they released this probably a week too early Um, just because Thanksgiving is really far out this year. So, I mean, Thanksgiving is literally two days before December this year. And so it's, it's a little bit more delayed than we usually would, which means last Christmas is going to lose a bit of steam just as it really makes its way to the Christmas season. But Christmas movies do play really strong in December. I mean, people love Christmas. It's, it's really hard to understate that. Um, like people are fanatic over it. And I think that's what's gonna carry this movie the most. I mean, that's that's literally what carries every every kind of Christmas movie like this.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it performs. I mean, we have right now what we're talking about on this pod, we have kind of our um projections of what we think is gonna happen and how it's gonna resurge potentially. And it'll be really neat to see um come kind of mid December if this film did have that uh, renaissance. And I think that'll be based mainly off uh, word of mouth and and really how this film kind of connects with the audiences early on.
0: Yeah. And so that kind of wraps up last Christmas, but before we move on to dark fate, I do want to kind of touch on just the layout of this weekend. So, I mean, we're getting into some pretty crowded weekends at the box office. I think this is the first really crowded weekend. I mean, you have four different new movies as well as uh, some indie movies that are starting to expand uh, that we'll touch on one of those later. Um, but we're starting to get into a really crowded season, and so it's difficult for a lot of these movies to really kind of play against each other. I think we see that with Midway and Doctor Sleep, and then we also see that with Playing with Fire and Last Christmas a little bit. Just because if there's any similarity or any kind of overlap, these movies will pull each other's audiences apart. And it's, it's only going to get uh, a little bit worse as we, we move through the next couple of weeks because we, we are really getting into some loaded weekends at the box office.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really odd. I mean, this weekend, obviously, um, uh, we're seeing kind of a situation where from one to eight at the box office this weekend, they're all within about $10 million from each other. That's pretty tight. Um, the top five, it's all within about $7 million of each other. We have a very, very tight box office this weekend, and it's only going to get more crowded, as you stated. I mean, next weekend, we have Charlie's Angels, which is a film that's going to play well with uh, more female audiences. And I think that might eat into, say, um, last Christmas, potentially. Um, I think also next weekend with Ford v. Ferrari, that's definitely going to eat into a lot of the Midway and Dr. Sleep kind of crowd and even bring in a different crowd that wasn't entertained this weekend. So we're going to see a very, very, very crowded box office next weekend and even more so um, as the rest of the month progresses.
0: Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting next weekend because we do have Disney Plus launching this week um, just to see if that really brings any dent to the box office because they are launching uh, with some pretty big recent movies as well as a few uh, exclusives for Disney Plus. And I mean, they're launching with just a massive archive of over 500 titles, I believe. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see the impact, if any, that that has on the box office. You know, I don't think it's necessarily going to tank any one movie, uh, but I think it will take a pretty sizable dent just because so much content will become available so quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, this weekend we probably saw people go to the theaters and have to really um, debate um, with who they're going with over what they're going to see and really make that tough decision. I mean, that doesn't always happen, but I think we're getting to that time in the year again where that sort of thing is going to happen. I think Disney Plus launching um, this week is definitely going to throw a little bit of a wrench into that and, and really add to that complication. And I think next weekend, as you said, we are going to see uh, what kind of impact this streaming service will have. It's definitely going to have a huge first-week launch um so it'll be neat to see if if um moviegoers kind of uh start subscribing to disney plus see the big archive the big library everything they can choose from and sort of revisit these old classics and see some of also as you said the newer films that have come out recently that maybe they haven't gotten a chance to see yet so it, it definitely will um put a dent into things but it'll just be neat to see how much of a dent um it'll, it'll put into the box office next weekend but regardless it's it's a crowded time of year and it's not going to change.
0: Yeah. And so with that we will move on to the number 5 spot at the box office which was Terminator Dark Fate in its second weekend uh pulling in 10.8 million it has just slightly eclipsed its production budget in terms of its worldwide gross. So it's sitting at 199.3 million dollars worldwide. Its production budget was around 199 uh a little bit lower maybe 196 uh just kind of somewhere in there we don't have the exact numbers but it is it is not doing so hot and we talked about this last week a lot that terminator just seems really bloated in terms of its budget and and what audience it's it's trying to reach and i mean this is just a franchise that is struggling and and based on these numbers i i think terminator is going to go quiet for a little while
1: yeah, I definitely agree with that there. And I mean, last weekend, obviously we we really debated heavily and we discussed uh, us three what what we um saw for this franchise going forward. I think we're not going to see much for this franchise going forward. And the box office numbers here really reveal that. Um, this is another case of potentially, do you think this was an odd time to release this film uh, in early November? I mean, it's it's interesting. We don't I don't think we're really used to that for a Terminator film. I know the last one was, A summer release I believe Salvation was in the summer as well I'm not too sure about some of the earlier ones um, but I don't know what they're gonna do with this franchise from this point I mean they're gonna have to really reevaluate and I think definitely shut it down but they're as you said just at around 200 million worldwide just slightly surpassing that production budget and they're tanking quick I mean this weekend we saw a massive drop I mean 29 last weekend 10.8 this weekend it's not looking too good for this film or this franchise yeah, I
0: mean, kind of tying into that, it had over a sixty percent drop, and it didn't lose a single theater in its theater count, uh, which means audiences really just decided we don't want to see this movie. <laughs> and I think the negative reviews, pretty much across the board, really kind of enforced that decision in audiences. And kind of like you said, yeah, we're Terminators going away for a while. Uh, so maybe maybe we'll see it again one day. If not, I'm I'm not too worried. We still have Terminator and Terminator Two.
1: Yeah, we we have enough uh, of this franchise. We can enjoy. We don't. I don't think we need to uh, add a seventh film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so that wraps up the top five. But there is one more movie uh, we do want to touch on again, and that is Jojo Rabbit, which has been in limited release uh, for several weeks now, but has started its expanding wide release. Um, and so i did get a chance to see that movie this weekend and um i, I really enjoyed it um i'm not gonna hide it i'm a very big Taika Waititi fan uh hunt for the Wheeler people and what we do in the shadows are some of my favorite movies and i really enjoyed thor ragnarok uh, so i i was committed to loving jojo rabbit from the start <laughs> um but having seen it i think it it hits its beats pretty well um you know it doesn't quite live up to life is beautiful or I guess that's really the only movie that's that's really similar to this. Um, But I I think for what it is, it works. It's just a very uncynical, just kind of whimsical, wacky look at uh, hate and and fascism through the lens of a kid growing up in Nazi Germany. And I I can't recommend this movie enough. I, I loved it wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm really excited to see this thing. It's expanded now to, this weekend, 802 theaters. It's definitely going to get a ton more. Um, Definitely probably not going to shoot for the 4,000, 4,500 theaters. Um, That is kind of the maximum uh, that movies can reach. But I think this movie is definitely going to expand to several thousand theaters, um, probably two to 3,000, because it definitely seems like there's – the seams are breaking for this film in terms of how much money it's going to make. I mean, it's ready to implode, I think, at the box office and – make a ton of money um it's really really ready to burst i mean 3.9 million dollars this weekend at 802 theaters that's a pretty solid number last weekend 2.3 out of 256 theaters i mean we saw this film pull in a 69 thousand dollar average per theater in its first weekend uh, when it was playing at just the five premier theaters i mean this is a movie that people are talking about there's buzz around it and people are interested in seeing what this is and how they really deal with the subject matter at hand. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, it's great to hear that you enjoyed it. Um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how much money this is gonna make, because I think it's gonna have great legs.
0: Yeah, and I think we're seeing this with Taika Waititi and with Ryan Johnson, is these are their first, really, uh, this movie and Nimes Out are their first post-Disney movies, so they've they've really come into the limelight actually two years ago, because they they both did Disney movies in 2017. Um, But we're seeing what the power of getting all that recognition and attention can really do. Uh, So we're seeing much bigger concepts and casts and and just production value with Jojo Rabbit compared to Taika's other films, uh, which were all basically indie New Zealand films. And we're seeing the same with Ryan Johnson here in a few weeks. And so I I do appreciate the uh, stepping stool that those larger movies have given these more artistic movies and really afforded the artists the opportunity to to do different stuff and do bigger and bolder stuff
1: oh i think it's great i think that um with the mcu especially they get directors that have done smaller projects obviously a lot of the directors they do or they take to make their films they've taken from kind of the indie crowd um and and they've made them they've made them stars in terms of the directing world and i think that we're seeing uh, this kind of come to fruition for these directors. I think Knives Out is going to be a big hit. Jojo Rabbit already proving to be a pretty big hit. So, um, I mean, it, it's a great thing that Disney has done, in my opinion, for these, these directors.
0: Yeah, so I, again, I cannot recommend this movie enough. So if you get a chance to go see it, which it is kind of expanding a little bit more um, over the next few weeks, uh, don't miss out on it.
1: Yeah, next weekend, I mean, we got some exciting films uh, coming out. We get The Good Liar next weekend. I know you're pretty excited for that with uh, Helen Mirren and Ian McCallum. We have Ford v. Ferrari next weekend, which is going to be a big kind of awards talk film. And Charlie's Angels has kind of stirred some buzz, and and the trailers have caught on. There's a lot of uh, big names attached to that film. So we'll see how that kind of plays next weekend. But we have a pretty exciting weekend next weekend. Um, Any predictions for who's going to come out on top?
0: I think this could be tough i think there's a lot riding on ford v ferrari just because its budget is sitting at about 100 million and this is james mangold's first project since logan um so there's there's a lot riding on that i think charlie's angels is in kind of a similar boat. Um, this is elizabeth banks really kind of stepping into the the limelight again and this is a, a big step for Naomi scott who's in aladdin earlier this year and kristen stewart is people are kind of starting to realize she's more than just Bella from Twilight. And, I mean, I know that The Good Liar is an old people movie, but I am here for it. Uh, This is one of my most anticipated movies uh, (laughs) for the year. But I think think each of these has potential to kind of win in their own regard. I think The Good Liar is going to be pretty much unaffected by what Charlie's Angels or Ford v. Ferrari do, just because it is an older people movie, and and those typically just behave differently. Uh, They tend to have lower debuts but really strong legs. But I think the real competition is going to be between Charlie's Angels and Ford v. Ferrari.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. It's going to be really neat to see these films kind of play out next weekend and how they do. I mean, Ford v. Ferrari, I think, is the film that's going to have great legs. But Charlie's Angels could have those legs, too. I mean, we saw earlier this year. I mean, obviously, it's not the same type film but a but a very female centric film that kind of puts brands that as kind of its one of its bigger selling points it was hustlers obviously and that had great legs but also it had great buzz so it's going to be neat to see how this film's word of mouth is uh upon release and if that can keep it afloat from week to week but i think for v ferrari just because it's going to be pushed hard in award season um i think that's a film that's going to have good legs and the good liar Uh, I know you're very excited for it. The trailer looked terrific, so I think that people should definitely give that one a shot as well.
0: Yeah, and this might be kind of a bold statement, but I think this next weekend could be one of the most satisfying weekends at the box office, just in terms of the quality of all the movies coming out. Um, Ford v. Ferrari, Charlie's Angels, and The Good Liar sounds like a pretty good triple header, and... I mean, we also uh, have to mention, unfortunately, Disney's fifth live-action remake of the year, Lady and the Tramp, debuts on D- Disney+. Plus. Uh, so whether or not that's good, it'll at least bring back memories. But I think for actual box office debuts, it could be a pretty strong weekend for those three movies.
1: Yeah, and it'll be also really um, good to look at how the films this weekend are affected next weekend because, as you said, crowded weekend this weekend, kind of some mixed uh, results overall, but most of the films didn't quite underperform they just didn't make a ton of money and i think next weekend we might see them get pushed down even more or we'll see some uh, pretty good competition at the box office
0: yeah so there's a lot going on uh, for the rest of this month really the rest of this year and we'll be here talking about it starting next week with the charlie's angels ford v ferrari lady and the tramp and best of all the good liar